John 14, 5 through 14. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The Lord's I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And the second passage is Jeremy 33, verse 3. Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Amen. Thank you, Bruce. And you can have a seat. Just want you to pull out your bulletin for a second where the prayer requests are. I think it's on like the third page on the bottom. Yeah, continue to lift up these folks in prayer. Trudy Fisher, Sarah Wagner, Daryl Mosier, Mark Forkner. Although Mark's getting better. He's, he was here. Yeah. Uh, Ruth Tollefson, Benedine Schneider, Roger Kalinowski, Wayne Schumacher, Luella Carlson, Barbara Olson, Joan Meidinger. And add to that list, uh, Dennis Kirschman. Dennis had some, probably a mild stroke. So he's uh, in the Veterans Hospital right now. Should be getting out early uh, this week. So Lord, uh, we just come before you. We just thank you for your grace, your healing mercy. That you're Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals, Lord. I thank you. You love us, that you care about us, and that you heal our hearts. You know, our souls are sick, and they need to be healed by you. So come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful today. Kindle in us the fire of your love, and send out your healing mercy on these folks that we mentioned today that are written down in our bulletin, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that 40 days went kind of fast, didn't it? <laughs> We're at the end of our 40 days of prayer. And uh, 
Many times in the Bible, uh, God promises to answer your prayers. You know, especially the passages that Bruce just read. You know, ask anything in my name and I'm going to give it to you. Greater things. Call unto me and I will answer you. You know, call unto me and I might answer you. That's not what it says. Call unto me and what? I will answer you. Not might, not maybe, not if I'm in a, in a good mood, you know, not having a bad hair day, right? He says, call to me and I will answer you. And that is a promise from God. And God answers every single prayer. Now, he doesn't always answer the way uh, we want him to answer every time, but it's an answer. No is an answer. Wait is an answer. Grow up is an answer. In a little while is an answer. In my way is an answer. God never leaves a prayer unanswered. Every prayer is answered. Not every prayer God says yes to. And there are many reasons for that. Like Ruth Graham, I've mentioned this before. She said, you know, if God would have answered all my prayers, I would have married the wrong man several times. <laughs> so today, I want us to do two things. I want, us, I want to give you uh, just a few possible reasons uh, that God says no in your life, maybe two or three reasons. And then I want to share some responses that maybe we should have when we get a no from God. I want to share with you what to do when God says no in your life because you're going to get some no's. You probably already have. Uh, you're going to get a lot of yeses, but you're probably going to get a lot of no's too. Okay, so why does God sometimes say no? Reason number one. God says no when he's got a bigger perspective. You can write that down. He can see what you can't see. He's God. He sees the whole picture. We don't. We have a limited perspective. God sees the wider view. We don't. God can see the future. We can't. God will always see stuff you can't see. He can see around the curve, around the bend. He can see 10 years into the future. He can see the implications of every decision. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. One version says he knows about everyone everywhere. Everything about us is bare and wide open to the all-seeing eyes of our living God. Nothing can be hidden from him. Because God sees it all. You know, you don't see it all. I don't see it all. Sometimes God doesn't answer the prayer the way you want because he sees what you don't see. You see, our problem with our limited perspective is that we don't see the unintended consequences of what we're asking. God can see how, you know, the, the dominoes kind of fall over. God can see that every prayer that is answered with a yes, it kind of starts a, a chain reaction, doesn't it? You don't see it, but he does. He knows how that decision that you just asked for is going to influence your grandchildren. <laughs> And your great-grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren, he can see a multi-generational perspective. You can't. So sometimes God says no because he sees what you don't see. I mean, do you give your children everything they ask for? Do you give your children everything they want? Of course not. Why? Because you love them. That's why. But also because you can see things that they can't see. No parent would give their child everything they ask for. God loves you too much to give you everything you ask for. He can see what we cannot see. And sometimes God says no to your prayer to, to protect you, really, from something 
that you can't see to guard you. Proverbs 2.8, it says, God guards the course of the just and he protects the way of his faithful ones. Notice, he guards and he protects. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that God takes you all out of trouble, you know. It doesn't mean that he takes you out of the frying pan that you're in. He may leave you right there in the frying pan. He just keeps you from getting burnt, right? Remember Daniel? You know, in the Old Testament? You know, he was doing uh, the wrong thing according to the king, and the king was going to throw him into the lion's den to be eaten, and Daniel prays, oh, God, get me out of the lion's den. God said, no. He put him in the lion's den. But then he shuts the mouths of the lion. That's a bigger story. Better results. You know, better miracle. Remember the story of the three Hebrew children? Shadrach, Meshach, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach and Pastor Abednego. No, Abednego. Remember them, the three guys? They defiled the king and, and wouldn't obey him. And he says, we're going to throw you into this giant fiery furnace, this fire, fiery pit. And they said, Lord, keep us out of the fiery furnace. And God said, no, let him go into the fiery furnace. He let him go into the fire, fiery furnace, and he walked through it with them. They were untouched. Remember the story? They were not burned, and when they came out, the ropes that had been tied around them, they, they, were, they were burned off. And sometimes you'll say, God, don't let me go through this fiery trial. And God says, uh, you're going to go through it. But when you come out on the other side, you're going to be free. You're going to be free from that habit. You're going to be free from that person. You're going to be free from that fear, free from that guilt, free from that shame. The things that have been binding you are going to be all burned off. And it wouldn't happen unless you went through that fire. Sometimes God says no to set you free. He's got a bigger perspective. That's reason number one. Reason number two, second possible reason, not only does God say no when he's got a bigger perspective, God says no when he's got a better plan. What do you mean by that? I mean that sometimes God says, I intend to answer your prayer, just not the way that you want it answered. I'm going to say yes, but I'm not going to say yes the way you want it said yes. I have a better idea. You know, in his infinite wisdom, you know, God has a better plan. Isaiah, you know, chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, God says this, this is, this is a, the plan of mine. It's not what you would work out. Neither are my thoughts, your thoughts, the same as yours. My ways are higher than your ways. You know, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You know, when I was a senior in high school, I was having a good year, a very good year wrestling. That was my life. And my very last match before the state tournament, I got thrown on my hip. I got a hip pointer. My brother drove all the way up from college four hours to pray over me, to anoint me with oil. And we were believing God, claiming God. And guess what? I didn't get healed. So there were no big schools after me. I ended up going to this little college in northwest Iowa, finding a lot of Christian friends, finding a girl named Mary Mata there. And I got to wrestle all four years. If I would have went to a big school, you know, they put three state champions deep in each weight, and you just kind of beat each other. I would have never got to wrestle at a big school. I was good, but not that good. <laughs> but look at, look what God did. He had a better plan for me. 
And I can see it looking backwards. My ways, God says, are higher. They're better. I've got a better plan than yours. Notice it's plural. My ways. God never just has one way of doing something. Unlike you, God's options are unlimited. He has many alternatives. He's never forced to answer in just one way. Now, the way that grows your faith sometimes requires uh, kind of a delay, I think. A delayed answer. God's not a vending machine. We talked about this before. He's not a genie. He's not a jackpot or a slot machine where you just put into prayer, pull the letter, and boom, you instantly get the answer. That doesn't grow your character. It just makes you less likely to grow. Sometimes God, in order to let, you know, to get you to grow, he delays the answer to your prayer. He says, hey, we're just gonna, we're gonna go slow until you grow. And then we'll give you the answer. Did you know that in the Bible, many of the greatest people of faith didn't get the answer that was promised to them before they died? This blows the the whole health and wealth and prosperity gospel out of the water because some people actually teach. Well, you know, you're supposed to get whatever you want, and if you didn't get whatever you want, it's because you didn't have enough faith. Maybe that's true sometimes, but not always. Lots of great people in the Bible did not get what they asked for. They stayed sick. They stayed poor or whatever. In Hebrews 11, 39 to 40, which is God's hall of faith, a list of people of faith from the Old Testament, and it talks about these were commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Why? It says God had planned something better. He planned something better. And I want, to write the, I want you to write this down because it's an important lesson of life. It's a principle of life. God has all eternity to fulfill his promises. All eternity. There's about 6,000 promises in Scripture. Some say 7,000 promises in the Bible to you. But God is not limited by your 80 or 90 years on earth. God has all eternity to fulfill his promises. Some of the promises that God has given to you are going to be fulfilled in heaven, in eternity. Old Garth Brooks, remember he wrote that song? Um, Thank God for unanswered prayers. God's got a bigger perspective, and he's got a better plan. Reason number three, God says no when he's got a greater purpose. I mean, God always acts for good and in love, uh, in you, And he's got a greater purpose. And God will never let your prayers interfere, really, with with his purpose, with your purpose that he created you for. Let me say that again. God has a purpose for your life. He's never made anything without a purpose. And God will not let you interfere with your purpose through your prayers. And if you're praying for something that's not in accordance with the purpose of God or with your purpose that he created you for, he's just not going to give it to you because his word is his will. Psalm 57, verse 2, I cry out to God most high who fulfills his purpose for me. See, God's not obligated to explain why he does what he does. He doesn't owe us an explanation. He's God. There's some things you couldn't understand, but he does say, I've got a purpose for your life. Now, not everything that happens in your life is good. You know that. I know that. We all know that. A lot of bad stuff happens because You know, you made some bad choices, right? Other people make bad choices. 
But God goes, I can even use that. I can even use your dumb mistakes. I can use uh, other people's dumb mistakes. And I, I can fit it into the purpose. In everything God does, he, he allows in your life, even the bad stuff, he allows it for a reason, for a purpose. And that purpose is good, including the problems and the unanswered prayers. They're all part of the purpose. We, we've talked about Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You might be in a tough spot right now. Listen to 1 Peter 1, 7. The purpose of these troubles is to test your faith. As fire tests how genuine gold is, your faith is more precious than gold. So what do you do? You know, anytime you're discouraged and, you know, this is not working and you're just hitting your head against the wall, it's not happening, it's not, and it's happening too slow. Anytime you feel discouraged, you remind yourself that God has a greater purpose for your life. You need to remember that he's got a bigger perspective. He's got a better plan and he's got a greater purpose. Second Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. I love this. It says, these present troubles or light and momentary troubles, you know, the ones that you're going through right now, they're quite small compared to eternity. They won't last very long. They are temporary. Yet they will produce in us an immeasurably great glory, and that's our reward in heaven, right? That will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles, you know. We don't look at what we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not seen, for the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. You know, some things we won't know until we get to heaven. We live in a broken world. Some things happen to us so that we can help others going through the same thing. God doesn't waste a hurt. Why does God say no? Sometimes, you know, three reasons. Bigger perspective, a better plan, and greater purpose. Now, what do I do when God says no? <laughs> What's our response? Let's just talk about three responses. Response number one, we need to trust that God does everything in goodness and in love. You know, we gotta, we gotta trust that he knows what he's doing. Father knows best, right? God doesn't do anything unloving. God does not do anything evil. Everything God does is always for your own good and because he loves you. Psalm 25, verse 10. All of the ways of the Lord are loving. That's what it says. All of the ways of the Lord are loving. There are no unloving ways of God. God cannot act in an unloving way because God is love. Again, Romans 8, 28. In everything, not in some things, but in everything, even the bad stuff, in everything, God works for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You need to remember that, and you need to trust that God does everything in goodness and in love in your life, even when he says no. Because anytime God says no, Satan is gonna start shooting darts at you. Satan's gonna start whispering in your ear, God really doesn't love you. God really doesn't care for you. Are you kidding? Otherwise, he'd give you everything you want. He doesn't love you. Satan is a liar. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's the father of lies. 
Listen, write this down. I don't have to understand God's answer to know that it is motivated by love. I don't have to understand God's answer to my prayer to know that whatever answer it is, it's always motivated by love. God loves you too much to really give you everything that you ask for. So really, when God says no, you've got three options. You can resist it, you can resent it, or you could just relax in it. You can resist it. You can fight God. And when God says no, you get mad at God. You turn your back on God. You say, okay, God, if you don't play the game my way, I'm leaving you. You know, it's my way or the highway, right? I'm out of here. I'm going to take my ball and I'm going to go home. I've met a lot of people who've walked away from God because God said no. They didn't trust that he had a bigger perspective or a better plan or a greater purpose. They resist. Second thing you can do is not only resist, but you can resent it. You can resist it or you can resent it and become rebellious and you can become bitter and miserable and you can doubt the love of God. I know a lot of people who've lived their entire lives in misery and they're miserable because they're resentful and they've never accepted the fact that God only does what's good in their lives. Some resist, some resent, or you can just relax. Knowing that God always has your best interest at heart. God, it doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. It is incredibly painful. But I know this. This is not good. What's happened to me right now? But I know this. You're good. You're very good. You're a good God, and you are a loving God, and you will never stop loving me. And even in this, your love still remains. I trust that God does everything in his goodness and love. That's response number one. Response number two, when in pain, pray like Jesus. You pray what Jesus prayed when he was facing the cross. You remember that? Jesus prayed a prayer the night before he went to the cross, and it was in that garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane is a word that means where they press the olives. It's the garden of olives. We were just there in April. It's a wonderful garden. It was a garden or orchard of olive trees on the Mount of Olives, and it was Jesus's, probably his favorite place to pray. You know, he knows tomorrow. He knows that tomorrow he's gonna be suffering. He knows that tomorrow he's gonna be tortured. He knows that tomorrow he's going to be put on the cross. He's going to be shamed. He's going to be spit on. He's going to be whipped. He's going to be crucified. And he doesn't want to go through the pain any more than you do or I do. The Bible says that in that agony, he went to the garden to pray, and the prayer that he prayed is the same pray, prayer that, that you should pray when you're in pain. It's in Mark chapter 14. It says, going a little further, that is, uh, going a little further into the garden, Jesus fell to the ground. You remember this story. He's in agony. And he's praying that, you know, if it's possible, please uh, let this hour pass from me. You know, that he might not have to suffer what was ahead of him. And what was ahead of him? The crucifixion. He's saying, God, if it's possible, I don't want to die on the cross. If there's any other way for the salvation of the world, I don't want to die on the cross. 
It's okay to say, God, I don't want this. I don't want to go through this pain. I don't want to go through this suffering. It's okay for you to say that. I don't want to go through this, and I don't want to face what I'm about to go through. Cancer, surgery, a stroke, divorce, death, whatever. God, I don't want to do this. Haven't you felt that way? He prayed, if it's possible, he might not have to suffer what was ahead of him. Jesus prayed, Abba, Father. Remember my brother talked about Abba, Father? When he was here, Abba, that intimate term for the Father, you know, Papa, Daddy, intimacy with God. He says three things. He says, all things are possible with you. Please, Take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will, not mine, to be done. And I think those are the three things that you should always pray when you're in pain. You just write them down. Here's the right way to pray when you're in pain. First, affirm God's power. That's the first thing you do. Pray, you know, Jesus, God... Abba, Father, I know you can do anything. You know, all things are possible for you. God, I know you can take care of this situation. I know you can keep me out of this suffering. I know you can take away this pain instantly in the snap of a finger. You are God Almighty. Father, you are all powerful. That's the first thing you pray when you're in pain. You affirm God's power. I know you can do anything. And then secondly, you ask with passion. Father, please give me what I ask for. Father, please take this cup of suffering away from me. It's okay for you to pray, please, God, take away the pain. Please take away the suffering. For crying out loud, he was sweating as it were great drops of blood. You talk about praying with passion. Crying out to the Father. It's okay. There are sometimes... You know, God's will. Sometimes he will, sometimes he won't. You affirm God's power, you ask with passion, and then number three, accept God's plan. However, God, I want your will. Yes, I don't want to go through this suffering, I don't want to go through this problem, I don't want to go through this pain, but nevertheless, what I want even more than that is I want your plan, I want your purpose I want your perspective. I want your will. However, your will, not mine, be done. That's what I want. And when you pray that prayer, I think God smiles, and I think he knows that you trust him. What do I do when God says no? I trust that everything he does is in love. I think of his goodness, and I pray the prayer of Jesus, and I'm honest about what I want, and I Say, really, I want more than anything else. I want your plan. I want your purpose. I want your will. Response number three, and this is the last one, I expect God to give his grace to handle his answer. I expect God to give his grace. That's, you know, what what is that? That's his strength. That's his power. That's his 
his presence, to handle his answer. Grace is God's power to handle pain. Grace is God's power to do the right thing anyway, even when it's painful. I'm going to do the right thing even though it's painful. And you know, even the Apostle Paul did not get answers to all his prayers. In fact, he has what he called, remember, a thorn in the flesh. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We don't actually know what it was, but we think it's some kind of a lifelong problem that caused great pain in his life. He says, God has blessed me so much that he gave me this problem. (laughs) A messenger from Satan. You know, God has Satan on a leash, doesn't he? This thorn in my side that just wouldn't go away to keep me dependent upon him. He said, many, many times I prayed for God to take it away and God would not take it away. He said, no. And here's what he says about that problem. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10. Three times I prayed to the Lord about this and asked him to take it away. That is, take it away this pain. But his answer was, my grace is sufficient. My grace is all that you need, for my power is, is made perfect in your weakness. It's manifest in your weakness. So Paul says, I gladly boast about my weakness, my pain, my problems, my difficulties, so that Christ's power can flow through me. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Paul said, the things that I prayed about the most, God has chosen not to remove. Like Job, Job says, though he slay me, yet I'll trust him. You know, God could kill me, and I'm still going to trust him. That's what Job said. If God never said yes to another prayer in my life, I still owe him the rest of my life. And you do too. And if God never said yes to another prayer in your life, you wouldn't even be alive if it weren't for him. You wouldn't be saved if it weren't for him. You wouldn't be on your way to heaven if it weren't for him. All the things that God has done for you, if he never did another... He's got a bigger plan, a better plan, a bigger perspective, a greater purpose. So what have you been praying about so far that hasn't happened in your life? Some of you have been praying, God, I just want somebody to love. I just want to be married. I don't know why God doesn't answer a prayer like that. That's part of the plan, isn't it? I just want to be healed. I got this cancer. It breaks my heart when there are prayers like that that aren't answered. And I don't know, but you need to remember this. When something hasn't happened yet, God has a bigger perspective. He may be protecting you from an unforeseen problem or pain. God has a better plan. The story's not over yet. The story hasn't ended yet. Some of you have gone through divorce in your life. That was the end of a chapter. The chapter has ended, but you know, that's not the end of the story. God's not finished with you yet. Are you kidding? That's not the end of your story. It's the end of a chapter. Are you going through something else? That's the end of a chapter. It's not the end of the book. It's not the end of your life. You know, you cannot go back and make a brand new start, my friend, but anyone can start from now, and they can make a brand new end with Jesus. God has a greater purpose, and right now he's working on you, and he will give you the grace and the power to handle it. He will never put more on you than he puts in you to bear it up. And I conclude with Psalm 9, verse 10. Those who know you, Lord, 
will trust you. You do not abandon anyone who comes to you. You know, if you don't trust God when he says no, you know what that means? It means that you don't know him. You don't know God. You do not know God. Those who know the Lord trust him. They know that he's good. They know that he's loving. And if you don't trust him, it means that you do not know him yet. You can start to know him today, right now. So let's bow our heads, shall we? You're not going to get an answer, a yes answer to every one of your prayers. I'm just speaking reality. You ought to thank God for that. Just thank God right now that, God, you don't always give me what I ask for. A lot of times you do, but not always. Sometimes we can figure out why, and sometimes we're never going to know until we get to heaven. But we do know this, that God is good and that he's a loving God, and he has a greater perspective, a better plan. He has a greater purpose, and if you don't trust him, it's because you really don't know him. So why don't you just take the first step today to knowing God, to really knowing him. Maybe you could pray in your heart uh, something like this, God, I really want to know you. Just say that in your heart. Dear God, I want to get to know you. I want to open my life to you. I want to learn to love you and to trust you, and I want to feel your love toward me. I don't feel it, but I want to feel it. I want to be close to you. And God, I want your plan for my life, not mine. Mine hasn't worked real good. God, I want your purpose for my life, not mine. God, I want your power in my life, not mine. God, I want your pardon for all the things I've done wrong. I need your peace. I need your presence. And Father, I thank you for letting your son, Jesus, die in my place. Even though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that through his poverty we might become rich. The one who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God, that you allowed your son to suffer for me so that he could pay for all of my sins. And God, if you want to use the pain in my life to help others, please do so. I want to be more like you. So today, as much as I know, Jesus Christ, I ask you to fill me with your life, with your love, with your spirit. Start me on the journey to trust you in you more every day. And then one day I ask you to take me home to your home in heaven where all the questions will be answered and all the problems will be removed and all the pain will be replaced with your joy. And I look forward to that day. And help me to tell other people about this great gospel. It's in your name I pray. Amen.